What's up, everybody? This is Pill Talk Podcast with me, Dr. Bartu. I have a special guest on, a good friend of mine. Her name is Dr. Erin Clay. She's a pharmacist. She comes from Tallahassee, Florida. Went to school at FAMU Pharmacy School. She currently is a diabetes medical science liaison, an MSL with Santify out of the upper state of South Carolina. So if you don't mind, uh, let's uh, welcome my guest, Dr. Aaron Clay. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you doing, Dr. Bartu? <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Man, good. I'm happy to have you on as a guest today. This was a long time coming. So yeah. I appreciate you taking the time to be with me today. And before we jump in, we want to talk a little bit about your background, uh, how you got to where you are with being a pharmacist, and how did you get into that field? Because everybody knows pharmacists as being a retail pharmacist, such as myself, coming to the big chain and just getting there, <laughs> making yeah. this mess. Absolutely. Well, I guess uh, for me, pharmacy, how I got into it, um, my junior year of high school, um, I was able to attend a biomedical symposium. And at the symposium, there were all, you know, different types of uh, medical professions there, kind of you could walk around and go to the different booths and find out about different opportunities. And this one booth caught my attention because um, the then former um, uh, dean of student affairs kind of stopped me and said hey have you ever thought about pharmacy and he kind of went into why and the one thing that caught my attention was that as a pharmacist you could uh, pursue so many different career paths um, you know there were so many different roles that as pharmacists we could do and so that you know just caught my attention and I thought hey this might be worth looking into and I think the rest is history um, I ended up going to FAMU College of Pharmacy um, and graduated with um, my PharmD degree from there. And, you know, I, I think it stuck with me what he said that we could do so many different opportunities or we could do so many different things. So many, we had so many different career paths that we could take. So I just kind of started thinking, what could I do? Um, and I think how I ended up here in pharma um, just is kind of by happenstance, actually, um, initially. But, um, you know, I, I kind of went into um, being a clinical pharmacist first and then ended up here um, along the way. So I think that that's kind of the story behind that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. All right. So let's break it down, get into the career path or the gotcha to pharmacy or gotcha into pharmacy and then uh, tell people a little bit about your career, right? Because you did something that most people haven't done coming into the pharmacy field. And that's jumped right over the retail aspect of it. You went straight into like clinical. Um, now you're a medical liaison. So you're able to speak on the different fields of pharmacy. Um, so let's start a little bit about, uh, the education wise, um, fam, you, what made you choose that, uh, that college? Yeah, so I think, um, like I said, when I went to the symposium, man, uh, they were there and the one that stopped me and kind of gave me or dropped the knowledge on us being <laughs> able to do different things in pharmacy was from FAMU. I mean, he was the Dean of Student Affairs at the time and he just caught my attention and, you know, um, wanted to go to HBCU and then, you know, a top producing HBCU of African-American doctors. Um, pharmacy program was a very 
prestigious program. So I think that, you know, talking to him and then having the opportunity to uh, get a scholarship there um, just kind of all came together and, and made sense to go to FAMU College of Pharmacy. So I think that's why I chose FAMU. Definitely, definitely. That was good that that guy was able to, or that person was able to just reach out to you and give you some of that knowledge to make you want to pursue this career definitely in a better field. All right, so fame you, you finished with that. So what was your first, uh, your first job inside the pharmacy field? And let us know a little bit about that. Yeah, so uh, after graduation, um, you know, mo like most pharmacists, it's like, what's next? You got license and now you got to find a real job. So um, I kind of, like I said, I didn't want to do retail. So I was thinking, what could I do? Um, and so I started applying to different hospitals uh, to be a clinical pharmacist. And so after doing that, um, I landed a couple of interviews and then I was able to land my first uh, clinical pharmacist role. Um, and, you know, was really excited about that, nervous, but excited at the same time um, because it just gave a different um, spin on being a pharmacist, right? Like you said, a lot of people think of pharmacists, you know, working at, you know, the big box. Um, and so, I decided, okay, I'm going to go into the hospital and give out, you know, give being a clinical pharmacist a try. And so when I got there, I definitely liked it. I love the patient interaction. And I think, you know, as a clinical pharmacist, you're really there to, um, you know, kind of be a, um, you know, a sounding board for the physicians to help them care for their patients. Um, you provide, you know, drug information for the physicians and the nurses. Um, you uh, assess the, um, the drug order entries for appropriateness and you profile those into the patient's profile. Um, you really are just able to engage in dialogue with your colleagues around um, different treatment options for patients. And so you really are um, that person in that inpatient um, setting that really gets to help, um, you know, tailor the patient's uh, drug regimen while they're there in the hospital during their stay. So. Man, that's great. That's great. Um, so it's very uh, interprofessional. Sorry about that. I just dropped my book, but <laughs> that's interprofessional because that's one of the things that the retail doesn't really get to do, right? Mm -hmm. um, we basically take the order from the physician and then just fill it. So you were actually able to, um, were you able to do rounds or really communicate with the physicians and help with the orders? Yeah, so, um, you know, we had, a, you know, certain pharmacists on different floors, so we each kind of took a floor, and you kind of, when you take that floor, it's almost like you take that badge of honor for that floor to kind of know what's happening on that particular floor that you're serving, you know, whether that be with the nurses or the physicians, the patients themselves, so yeah, you really are a part of that interdisciplinary team um, who gets to kind of round and help make decisions on the patients that are there in the hospital, so yeah, absolutely, um, uh, you know, you really just kind of maxim maximize that pharmaceutical care uh, for those patients while they're there in the hospital. So you are considered a part of that team. And it kind of goes back to when we're on rotations, right? And we're doing mm -hmm. our, um, you know, our internal medicine rotation where you're part of that team and you really just get to round and follow those patients throughout their hospital stay. And I think it's rewarding because, you know, obviously the patients come in there because they're sick. 
And so when they're in the hospital, you know, all of our job as healthcare professionals is to help make them feel better. And so you just feel a sense of reward uh, when you follow that patient throughout their stay and um, you finally get to let them know that they're going home, you know, so. And that's great. That's great. <laughs> um, that's amazing that you were able to do that. Like just seeing it from the outside, like you're really practicing at the top of your license right there. You're not just knowing what the meds are and just giving it out. You're really using your knowledge base that you learned at FAMU and taking that and really like understanding the patient, understanding like what their needs are and serving them until they get better to get them outside of the hospital. That's great. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So you did that for a while, right? Mm-hmm. What was the next thing that you stepped into if you don't want if you want to talk about that? Yeah, so I did that and I love being a clinical pharmacist, but always in the back of my head, you know, um, during school, we had just started to kind of get exposure to this thing called industry, right? And just um, hearing a few people talk about the world of pharma and industry. So that was always something that was kind of in the back of my head too. So like I said, it was kind of by happen chance. I got an opportunity. Um, that's the power of networking, right? And just kind of letting people know you're here you're willing to kind of experience new opportunities. And so um, I got an opportunity to kind of um, work with um, a pharma company and I was a medical information specialist. And so I interviewed for this position, uh, you know, obviously no previous experience in pharma, but I was able to interview um, and I got the position. And so as a medical information specialist, I was able to really just, um, you know, there was a particular therapeutic area and you just really dive into that. And your your job is to answer questions um, on that particular drug, you know, from um, healthcare providers who may call in um, and want you to kind of tell them more about the product or they may have a specific question. And so you answer that question, they may write you, you may give a written response back. So it really is, as the name describes, a medical information specialist. So that was my first taste of um, actually being in pharma and on that side. And I'm like, I kind of like this. Um, so yeah, so that's what I did for a little while. Um, and so I, I always figured, okay, this is this is nice. But I saw that um, what the, the, um, the former Dean of Student Affairs at FAMU said in terms of not having to stick to one particular career path as a pharmacist, I started to see that unfold before my eyes because, you know, I had just practiced as a clinical pharmacist for a couple of years. And then now here I am in a completely different arena, um, but doing something just as fulfilling. So um, that was a really good opportunity. That's good. That's good. So back up a little bit. How are you able to find that job? Like, since that's not the traditional route that a pharmacist goes into, and if someone is looking to get into that, how can they search that or um, get into yeah. it? Yeah. So uh, keyword there, networking. Um, if you, I think we have like, honestly, that's really the biggest thing. Um, if, you know, LinkedIn is really big now. So if you go on LinkedIn, you can follow pharmaceutical companies. Um, if you don't know a lot about what the opportunities are in pharma, find someone who already is in pharma, reach out to them and just start asking questions. Google is also your friend. (laughs) So if you are thinking, you know, oh man, what 
are the opportunities in the pharmaceutical industry. Start with the website. I mean, there's pharmaceutical companies. I mean, you have Merck, I work for Sanofi, you have Pfizer, you have Bristol-Myers Squibb. So you could start researching these companies, go to their websites, see the roles um, and opportunities that are available. Um, and then furthermore, reach out to other people who you know have already you know, pursued that same role or works for that company and ask them about their experience and like I said, networking is the most powerful tool because, uh, you know, if people don't know what you're interested in, they can't think of you when opportunities come up. So I would say to just continue to network and be curious. I think that's the biggest thing is if you don't know something to ask and to be curious. And that's kind of what led me, you know, down that path to even being able to get the opportunity as a medical information specialist is just kind of continuously researching and being curious. And then boom, there was an opportunity and I was able, someone thought about me and I was able to interview for it and I landed the role. So just really being curious. That's great. That's great. There's a couple of things you said in there just now that I want to like make sure people didn't just hear and let it go. Right. Mm -hmm. And the first thing is networking and like how that was able to bring to you a career change and within your own field and the power of that. Um, so yeah. do you have a connect, a network that you currently building now, or that's just something that you continuously do? I continuously build my network. <laughs> um, you know, I have friends who I went to pharmacy school with who are doing big, great things that I always stay connected to, always try to stay connected to. Um, but building a new network too, I think LinkedIn is a really powerful tool. Um, you know, I've actually um, had built networks through people reaching out to me, wanting to actually just meet with me. And I've learned so much from them. They were wanting to meet with me to like learn from me. And I'm like, wow, I need to add you to my network as well, because you're connected in different ways as well. And I think it's nothing wrong with, you know, networking intentionally and like, you know, trying to connect with people who are different from you, because that's kind of the beauty of networking and being able to kind of explore different opportunities. So for me, um, the, to answer the question, I'm continuously building my network. Um, I think, you know, a solid foundation was started in pharmacy school, having those advocates and supports and sponsors, I mean, in, in uh, professors, you know, kind of continuing to stay in touch with, you know, the professors that kind of taught you, um, stay in touch with some of the professors who you rotated with, um, some of your preceptors, that's kind of a solid foundation for a um, networking kind of opportunities, but then you continue to build that. And I think the strongest assets of a great networker is someone who continuously expands their network. So I'm always looking to expand my network for sure. And outside of uh, pharmacists as well, cause you know, we kind of have to uh, diversify. <laughs> so, <laughs> so continuously expanding. Yeah. Definitely. So you got into the pharma. All right. The, you got you got into the pharma and then you got out of it and then you went into another career field a career thing yeah. with pharmacy what's this yeah. next step that you had took well and so i think um you know with with everything sometimes life happens right so i am a mom i'm a wife and a professional and so um my husband got an opportunity um 
to, you know, kind of, he's also a pharmacist. So he got an opportunity um, that was, most pharma companies are in the Northeast. So I was at the actual pharma company. Um, you know, there are a few field-based positions, but they are, there are some, but it, the opportunity didn't present itself um, for me to have a field-based position where my husband was at, um, where he got his opportunity. So I actually went back you know, to clinical pharmacy. And that is the beauty of our um, network as well, is that pharmacy kind of is a small, tight-knit community. So when you leave somewhere, leave it well, do it well, um, and do things to where people will be happy to have you back, right? So I was able to re-enter the realm of being a clinical pharmacist, which, like I said, I always enjoyed that. But something about being a pharma, I knew at that point, once I did leave, that I was trying to come back. I was going to try to come back. It would be maybe in a different capacity. Capacity. But that's when I knew that pharma, I was like, I, there's something about this that I really like. So I knew I would try to come back to it in a different capacity. Um, but like I said, I knew that at that, op at that moment, you know, it wasn't the right time. So um, I ended up getting a field based position at a pharma company. Um, and so that was on the commercial side, though. And I enjoyed that. I mean, you definitely, it's kind of a different take on um, kind of what I was doing as a medical, medical information specialist, um, you know, have a different set of products, and I'm actually helping to educate some of the HCPs on or the healthcare providers um, on those particular products that I had. And I enjoyed that. But I knew that for me, um, once I got back into pharma, if I was going to do a field-based position, I wanted to be a medical science liaison. And that was the goal, even in taking that position. Um, and so I took that position to basically stair-step and to get to where I am today. Okay, okay. Um, break down a little bit, what's the difference between the field position and the uh -huh. corporate position? And yeah. so that people can know that what the difference is. Yeah. So I would say for um, the in-house, you know, when you're in the, you know, at corporate or in-house, as they would say, um, you know, there's different roles that you have that are obviously different from the field field position, field-based position, because the field-based position, I would like to think of it as like the eyes and ears, right? So you kind of are on the front lines, you kind of are seeing some of the things that are happening, and you can relay those things back to in-house, you know, back to corporate. Um, and so there's different, but there's definitely different functions um, within a pharmaceutical company. You know, you kind of have the medical side and you have the commercial side. So that's one thing. So when I was in the field before I was on the commercial side and in my current role, I'm on the medical side. So, you know, in the medical affairs. So really my responsibility now is kind of helping um, with that strategy, right? With that medical strategy from a field facing position, being able to um, kind of give those insights from the field because, you know, we kind of, I talk to a lot of those key opinion leaders. And so I can kind of give some of that feedback back in-house, you know, to kind of apply some of that strategy and to help with that strategy. So I would say from the field, you really do have a really important role to be the eyes and the ears for those who are back at corporate. Okay. Okay. That's yeah. good. Yeah. That's good. So the medical liaison position, that's where we at now, right? That's where we are now. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I don't know. Uh, speak a little bit about that again so that the people can understand what's going on with that. Yeah. And what's the difference yeah. of it? Yeah. So as a medical science liaison, it is a field-based medical position. 
um, but it is on the medical affairs side. And so as a medical science liaison, you can be in different therapeutic areas. I mean, from oncology to diabetes, um, you know, to cardiovascular, there's different types of therapeutic areas. But the ultimate goal is to really be able to um, be that scientific um, base for the provider. So you basically are having um, scientific discussions with these key opinion leaders, these key thought leaders who are thought to be at the top of um, you know, the, the uh, therapeutic area that they kind of are in, they're kind of thought to be, thought to be those top thought leaders in that area. So essentially um, you're meeting with these um, thought leaders to kind of talk through scientific data. Um, you're there to really fill any educational gaps that they may have about your products that you have, um, to talk about clinical trial data for those products, to really just answer any questions that they may have on the data. So you're really scientific. So as a medical science liaison, you are really talking science. You're really getting into the background of some of the research and the papers and the trial designs and kind of what you know, those key opinion leaders thoughts are on those things. And so those are the insights that you're gathering so that you can kind of take those back. And some of them may be actionable, you know, some of them may just be good to know, but it really is to kind of give you an idea of where this person is and why it's important is because these are people who other people listen to these people. Other people listen to these thought leaders. You know, they are thought to be, um, you know, they're, the way that they um, use things to diagnose or to um, the standard of care, the things that they do, they may do it first. So people really look to them for advice on how to, to, to treat their patients. So you really just want to kind of be in tune to um, what's going on. So it's a lot of, you know, reading, a lot of research, a lot of just really kind of um, being able to have those deep conversations um, with the people that you're connecting with. So that's kind of the role and the responsibilities that I have now. Um, whereas, you know, on the commercial side, you definitely are doing some of the same things, but you may have a little bit more targeted audience and you are really just trying to, you know, really educate them on the products that you have. And at the time where maybe they have deeper questions, that's when you can then refer them to a medical science liaison so that they can really get into the science of it. Oh man, that's great. That was one of the, I think, courses in pharmacy school I probably struggled with was diving into those trials. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. It's, it's, it's definitely, but you know, it gets kind of fun when you are looking at some of um, the trials of the products that your company makes, right? I yeah. think that's when it kind of gets fun. And when you're able to do, you know, these disease state awareness uh, programs on, you know, different therapeutic areas that are important to your key opinion leaders or mm -hmm. important to how ultimately they're going to treat their patients. So it just kind of um, gets a little exciting, but yeah, it can be a little uh, daunting sometimes, but it's, it's oh. pretty fun. Yeah, I know it is. I know it is. Like once you get used to it and get the understanding and actually know what's happening with the numbers and why the trial was formed the way it was and the yeah. results that you get, you kind of get back to it. That's great. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, any words of wisdom that you want to give someone that's looking out right now and be like, you know what? I want to get into the pharmacy field and don't want to become a retail <laughs> pharmacist. <laughs> 
but let's shout out our retail pharmacists, right? Let's like we have, <laughs> like you said, let's shout us out. Let's shout us out. Yes, let's shout you guys out because we do. We need us all, right? Um, but I would say, and honestly, um, you know, even if you, so if you're in retail now, you're like, all right, I've paid my dues. Like now I'm ready to, <laughs> I'm ready to move on. Um, my advice would just to always be um, curious and to be a lifelong learner, um, to always look to have transferable skills because I think when you break down what you you know what you do on the day-to-day as a retail pharmacist I mean it really it really is important and it's a lot and it takes the art of communication and so I think this just really writing down your transferable skills Um, and when you write those skills down you figure out which ones do you really enjoy? Like mm-hmm. if you love the communication part of those transferable skills that you've written down, you really like that. Then now you have to decide, okay, what else can I do with that? That would kind of bring me joy. And you just go from there and you just kind of really just trying to like structure and web out things that bring you joy and those skills that you have. And a lot of times it's the skills that come effortlessly that will probably end up bringing you the most joy because it's your gift, right? You don't really have to work as hard for that. So when you write that down, I mean, you know, sometimes writing is power because you see it on paper and you're like, okay, now what? So then you just go from there and you just figure out, okay, what can I do where I can use this skill? Um, And that's where I think, you know, those words that, um, you know, that were told to me when I was, at that symposium really do come back even to this day and resonate that we could choose so many different career paths. I mean, we could touch like really every field as a pharmacist. And Mm -hmm. sometimes some of it, we don't even know, you know, um, you know, from pharmacy law to retail, to clinical, to, you know, working in the pharmaceutical industry. But then once you get into the pharmaceutical industry, there's different things within the industry, right? So I think just kind of being curious and figuring out what your skill set is and then going from there and figuring out, okay, so what can I do with this? And I think our profession as a pharmacist is one of the best to be able to do that because you really can continuously reinvent yourself. You know, like I've worked as a um, clinical pharmacist. I've, you know, worked as a medical information specialist. I've worked on the commercial side and now, you know, in pharma again on the medical side and medical affairs. So it really just goes to show how true, you know, that is and how true it holds that as a pharmacist, you really can choose so many different career paths. And sometimes all at the same time, I mean, hey, you could be a consultant pharmacist and still, you know, work retail, right? So it's, Mm -hmm. it's just the power of being able to do so many different things and sometimes all at once. So um, just really honing in on what you feel like your skill set is, would be some of my advice. That's dope. That's a lot of great advice right there. Um, With you, it seems like you got your career going amazing. You said you got a husband, two kids. So another great question I have for you, right, is how's your work-life balance? Trying to make sure that you have a peace of mind and make sure that you get your job done exceptionally well. Yeah, Whew, that's a good one. Especially, <laughs> <laughs> it's good because especially like, you know, with the role I have now, it would be easy to blur the lines. Um, but one thing that um, I've always uh, really tried to do to have that work-life balance is to have a work phone and a personal phone and really to like adhere to those 
those things. Work is work and personal is personal. And to put my work phone away at the end of the day um, so that I can make sure I'm separating that because it really is easy, especially when you are working from home or you're working in the field and you have all these devices and you're linked 24 seven to your email or to being able to do a meeting or respond. And so for me, it's just been really, really important to um, separate that. And what's helped me is to have that work phone and the personal phone so that I can really try to, you know, not blur those lines and keep it separate. So that's work for me is having a personal phone um, and that work phone is only given out for work and the personal <laughs> is only for personal. And so um, keeping that pretty clear has actually helped me, you know, because I'm able to literally put my work phone down and walk away. And I'll be honest, there's been times where I've walked away and the next morning I've gotten some text messages and emails and they all came in after six, seven o'clock. And so, you know, it would be easy if I had my phone, right, to like try to respond to it. But, you know, I've tried to really try to separate that out. Man, that's actually a good bit of information to take right there on a way to separate the work and from the work from play, right? So mm-hmm. I, I might have to use that with myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it definitely helps. So how do you relax? Like, what do you do? Do you like to go golfing do you play sports do you how do you relax with all this well during the COVID and everything as well yeah yeah so spending time with my family um like I said we my husband and I we have two amazing little boys uh four and almost two so spending time with them always helps re-energize and recharge me um and so I love spending time with them I love shopping even though there's nowhere to go right now (laughs) online shopping it's always been my thing so I still love doing that um and that just I don't know sometimes it just makes me so happy just like, <laughs> like surfing the internet and surfing the sites um you know I like listening to podcasts but I think more than anything just spending time with family and friends and really just kind of um taking it all in and, and being with them our kids are true comedians and they crack me up so I can just spend a day with them and and they keep me going but yeah spending time with family and friends and and just kind of um you know especially during COVID just kind of being still you know um we're used to going 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 but in this pandemic we've definitely just had to be still we've had to be still and it's probably been good so man that's great that you was able to see the silver lining within the pandemic of taking this time to be still spending time with your family and separating that work phone from your play phone and being able to be having that work-life balance that's great that's great absolutely yeah yeah it's been good (laughs) (laughs) all right so you are right now in your career doing an amazing job right where do you see yourself going five years from now like what's the next step for you Ooh, good question. Um, well, I, I, I kind of break it, bucket it out into like kind of immediate goals and like long term goals. So I would say for me, some of my immediate goals would probably be to become a board certified medical affairs specialist um, and then to also um, do some certifications in diabetes because that's the therapeutic area that I'm working in. So kind of work on some certifications there. 
And then long-term, man, I just think the sky's the limit. I've always tried to um, not limit myself and to really just kind of think outside of the box. So, hey, whether that's being the um, global medical head one day at someone's company, um, who knows, the sky's the limit. But I think continuing to hone in and craft my skills in my current role, for sure, is something I want to do. Um, and then continuing to network, like I said, because that sky is the limit and who knows where that'll take me and what that ultimate uh, role is. I don't know today, but who knows, um, you know, five years from now where I could be and what I could be doing. So I'm just going to say, hey, the sky is the limit and um, see what happens. Man, that's dope. That's dope. We already can tell by your track record that wherever you aim to be, you're going to get there. So <laughs> We want to see you five years from now back on here telling us that you are the CEO, the president of some major <laughs> corporation. You know what I'm saying? Enjoy I like your it. Network. I like it. <laughs> That's what's Absolutely. Up. Let's speak it into existence. <laughs> hey, let's do it. So for all the viewers that's listening, right, if they want to get in contact mm -hmm. with Dr. Clay, how can they reach you? Mm -hmm. What's your Instagram, social media, all your handles? So if somebody yeah. want to reach out to you yeah. and join your network. Sure. So um, anyone can find me on LinkedIn. So Aaron Clay, um, or you can find uh, me on Instagram. My handle is rx underscore beauty 22. And the same is for um, Facebook. So you can find me there as well. I think all the different social media outlets. So the main thing, uh, but you can definitely find me on um, LinkedIn um, as Aaron Clay. So that's how you can find me. Man, thank you. Thank you for coming on Dr. Clay, who, you know, presenting your actual career to us and letting people follow your career so that someone out here listening can be like, you know what, I want to join the pharmaceutical field and I want to go the other route. And now they have a way to go about it and they have a path. So we appreciate you. Thank you for coming on Pill Talk Podcast, where we give out a daily dose to inspire, motivate others to live at their full potential. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you.